Chapter Twenty Eight of To London Town. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. To London Town by Arthur Morrison. Chapter Twenty Eight. He resolved first to try the Institute. Nora's name and address must be on the class registers but what business had he with the girls class registers as diplomatist his failure was lamentable he could invent no reasonable excuses and ignoble defeat was his fate at the hands of the rigid lady who managed the girls department of the institute then he took to prowling about all the streets that lay beyond that second corner that had marked the end of their evening walks watching for her searching also desperately for some impossible sign about a house that might suggest that she lived in it thus he spent the daylight of two evenings watching a little muslin hung window because the muslin was tied with a ribbon of a sort he remembered her to have worn and because he chose to fancy a neatness and a daintiness about the tying that might well be hers but on the second evening as dusk fell the window opened and a hairy red-bearded man in blue shirt-sleeves put out his head and leaned on the sill to smoke his pipe and watch the red sky johnny swung away savagely and called himself a fool for his pains and indeed he could ill afford to waste time for maidment and hearst claimed him till five each day and a few hours in the evening were all that remained more nora could change her lodgings perhaps had done so already after this he screwed his courage so high as to go to the police station where the charge against nora's mother must have been taken and to ask for her address but the cast-iron-faced inspector in charge took his name and address instead as a beginning and then would tell him nothing and at last maddened and reckless he went to the publican and demanded the information of him now if johnny had a little more worldly experience a little more cunning and a great deal more coolness he would have done this at first and beginning by ordering a drink he would have opened a casual conversation led it to the matter of the window and in the end would have gained his point quietly and easily but as it was he did none of these things he ordered no drink and he made a blunt request taking little thought of its manner none of the publican's point of view and perhaps forgetting that the man was in no way responsible for the rebuffs already endured the publican for his part was already in a bad temper because of the clumsy tapping of a barrel and ensuing cheek of the potman so he answered johnny's demand by asking if he had come to pay for the window and receiving the negative reply he had expected he urgently recommended the intruder's departure outside in such terms as gave no choice but compliance so that now in extremity johnny resolved on a last expedient one that had been vaguely in his mind for a day or two 
though he had yet scarce had courage to consider it seriously this was to tell his mother the whole thing and to induce her if he might to ask the address at the institute perhaps on some pretext of dressmaking business he was not hopeful for he well knew that any hint of traffic with the family of one such as nora's mother would be a horror to her but he could see nothing else and to sit still were intolerable moreover he guessed that his mother must suspect something from his preoccupation and his neglect of his drawing though indeed poor nan was most at pains just then to conceal troubles of her own mr butson in fact began to chafe under the restraints of narrow circumstances not that he was poorer than had been his habit indeed he was much better off but that his needs had expanded with his prosperity and with his successes in society and it was just now that his wife began to attempt retrenchment probably she was encouraged by the outrageous revolt of her son a revolt which had made advisable a certain degree of caution on the part of himself the head of the household she spoke of a rumour that the shipyard opposite might close as so many other thames shipyards had closed of late years that she said would mean ruin for the shop and she must try to save what little she might meantime an absurdity of course in mr butson's view he felt no interest in the rumours of old women about shipyards and petty measurement of the sordid chances of trade irritated him if his wife found one source of profit running dry she must look out and tap another that was all so long as he got what he wanted he troubled little about the manner of its getting but now he ran near having less than he wanted and his wife was growing even less accommodating she went so far as to hint of withholding the paltry sum the lad earned he should have it himself she thought to buy his clothes and to save toward the end of his apprenticeship more than this mr butson much suspected that johnny had actually had his own money for some while past and that mr butson had descended to the mean subterfuge of representing as his earnings a sum which in reality she extracted each week from the till an act of pure embezzlement and then there was the cottage in epping forest she wouldn't sell it now though she wanted to sell when she first left it what good was there in keeping it true there was three and sixpence a week of rent but that was nothing it would go in a round of drinks or in half a round in any distinguished bar and there were deductions even from the three and sixpence sold the cottage might produce a respectable sum perhaps a hundred pounds at any rate eighty the figure stirred his blood what a magnificent dash a man might cut with eighty pounds and a fortune might be made out of it too if it were used wisely and not buried away in a wretched three-and-sixpenny cottage properly invested on judicious flat-rate certainties it would double itself about twice a week 
so he made it very plain to nan that the sale of the cottage for what it would fetch and the handing over of the proceeds was a plan he insisted on but the stupid woman wouldn't see it it was plain that she was beginning to overestimate her importance in the establishment by reason that of late she had not been sufficiently sworn at shoved thumped and twisted and pinched on the arms that was the worst of kindness to a woman she took advantage so that he was obliged to begin to thump again there was no need to do it so that johnny might know and so cause a low disturbance in fact johnny took little notice of things at home just now no longer made inquiries nor lifted the poker with so impudent a stare and he was scarce indoors at all wherefore mr butson punched and ruffiant being careful to leave no disreputable marks in visible spots such as black eyes and sometimes he kicked and he demanded more money and more but all the while insisted on the sale of the cottage the monstrous laws of conveyance made it impossible for him to lay hands on the deeds and sell the place himself or he would have done it of course and he made it advisable too for bessie to avoid him and that had a better effect than any direct attack on nan till at last the woman was so far reduced that she was near a very dangerous rebellion indeed nearer than mr butson suspected for she began to think of attempting a separation by magistrate's order shameful as it would be in the neighborhood though she feared greatly so it was when johnny turned toward home on an evening a little before nine o'clock sick of blind searching and ready to tell his mother the story of nora sansom first to last at harbor lane corner he saw butson walking off and wondered to see him about blackwall so early in the evening nobody was in the shop and johnny went through so quietly that he surprised his mother and bessie in the shop parlor crying bitterly nan sat on a chair and bessie bent over her and no concealment was possible johnny was seized by a dire surmise mother what's this he said what's he been doing nan bent lower but answered nothing johnny looked toward bessie almost sternly he he's beaten mother again bessie blurted between sobs beaten mother again johnny's face was white and his nostrils stood wide and round beaten mother again he's always doing it now bessie sobbed and wanting more money i'd a good mind to tell you before but but beaten mother the room swam before johnny's eyes why nan rose to close the door no johnny she said meekly i'm a bit upset but don't let it upset you don't you what's the matter with your leg you're limping he kicked her i saw him kick her at her ankle betsy burst out pouring forth the tale unrestrained i tried to stop him and 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 then he hit you 
asked johnny not so white in the cheeks now but whiter than ever about the mouth yes but it was mother most and bessie wept afresh perhaps his evenings of disappointment had chastened johnny's impatience he knew that the man was out of reach now and he forced his fury down in ten minutes he knew the whole thing between bessie's outpourings and nan's tearful admissions when's he coming back they did not know probably he would be late as usual but don't you go doing anything hasty johnny nan implored i'm so afraid of you doing something rash it's not much really i'm a bit upset but i'll have to think about this johnny said with such calmness that nan felt somewhat reassured though bessie was inwardly afraid i'm going out for an hour he strode away to the institute walking by instinct and seeing nothing till he was under the lettered lamp he went to the dressing-room and hurried into his flannels in the gymnasium the instructor a brawny sergeant of grenadiers was watching some lads on the horizontal bar johnny approached him with a hesitating request for a free spar free spar my lad said the sergeant what's up getting cheeky wanna give me a hidin no sergeant johnny answered not such a fool as that but i never had a free spar with a man much heavier than myself and and i just want to try that's all there was a comprehending twinkle about the sergeant's eyes right he said you're giving me near two stone that's if you're a bit over eleven fetch the gloves at another time johnny would never have conceived the impudence of asking the sergeant once champion of the army for a free spar even a light spar with the sergeant was something of an undertaking wherein one was apt to have both hands full and a bit over but the lad had his reasons now he dashed at the professor with a straight lead and soon the blows were going like hail on a window-pane the sergeant stood like a rock and johnny's every rush was beaten back as by hammer-blows on the head but he came again fresh and eager and buzzed his master merrily about the head getting in a very respectable number of straight drives such as would knock an ordinary man down though the sergeant never winked and bringing off one on the mark that did knock out a grunt much as a punch in that region will knock one out of a squeaking doll steady the sergeant called after two long rounds had been sparred you'll get stiff if you keep on at that rate my lad and that's not what you want i reckon this last with a grin you haven't been boxing regular you know just lately but you're all right he added as they walked aside your work keeps you in good condition not quite so quick as you would have been if you'd been sparring every evening of course but quick enough for your job i expect and again johnny saw the cunning twinkle it was about closing time and when johnny had changed his clothes he found the sergeant leaving also he thanked him and bade him good night good night may the sergeant called and turned into the street but he swung back along the footpath after johnny and asked 
is it tomorrow what sergeant oh i ain't a sergeant i'm a stranger there's a sergeant goes to that moral establishment perhaps with a nod at the institute but he behaves strictly proper i'm just a chap out in the street that would like to see the fight that's all when is it i don't quite know that myself johnny answered oh like that is it hmm the sergeant was thoughtful for a moment perhaps incredulous then he said well can't be helped i suppose anyhow keep your left going strong but don't lead quite so reckless with your head up and no guard you're good enough and the bigger he is the more to hit end of chapter twenty eight recording by john brandon